This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. Welcome back to another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. A massive thank you for, of course, taking the time out of your day to tune into this episode, whether you're listening live in our partnered community Discord server or potentially listening on one of the many streaming platforms that this podcast is generally available on. That can be from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, TuneIn Radio. There's, I think, about 25 different platforms you can find it on. So I always say at the beginning, if there's a platform that is more to your convenience, the there's a very high chance that this podcast will be available on there and you're more than welcome to stop and go over to there. A big thank you must go out to everyone that continues to rate and also just review the podcast. You can review it over on Spotify and I believe Apple Podcasts. Uh, The Spotify system is a lot more simple. You can just give it a star rating. This has to be done though on a uh, mobile or I think iPad device. You just can't do it on on a laptop. And then, of course, in Apple Podcasts, you have the option to write a review, and if that's the case, then I'll happily read it out. As promised, we've had two podcast episodes in uh, the matter of two weeks, although this podcast is being recorded basically, I would say, 24 hours after the previous one. That is because I am traveling uh, overseas, and there just simply wouldn't be any time to record this episode So I am pre-recording it and then releasing it. That being said, it it works, a podcast can work in some uh, pretty funny ways, given the fact that I'm saying I'm pre-recording this, but the reality is a lot of people don't listen to podcasts immediately after publication. I mean, some people can listen years down the line. So today is the Singapore Airlines A380 Premium Economy Experience. This is a continuation from my journey uh, following the world's longest uh, passenger flight, which was from New York to Singapore. If you would like to catch up on the journey before listening to this episode, I would definitely encourage that so you can get a better picture for what happened on the first leg. This one, though, is just from Singapore to Sydney. I made the decision to travel down to Sydney as for no added cost. I could have jumped on board the uh, Singapore A380 rather than a Singapore 777. And uh, I have never flown on the Singapore A380 before. Then That being said, not either the 777. But look, if there's, op- if there's an opportunity to fly the A380 and if there had been an opportunity to fly the 747, however rare it is nowadays, I would definitely prioritize that. Because as we know, the era of our super jumbos and quad jets is slowly but surely, uh, slowly but surely, pardon me, disappearing. So therefore, for me at least, there's an emphasis on, if possible, jumping on board these planes and getting to try them out. It's the second A380 with an airline I've flown on. Previously, managed to fly on board Qantas's A380, which was uh, quite a unique experience. It it was quite fun because at the time it was my first ever flight out of Australia, first ever international flight and first ever wide body flight. So for it to be the A380, I think as an aviation enthusiast certainly ticks off a a lot of boxes. 
So this again was just the second carrier. I had flown and I wasn't too sure what to expect. Had quite a lengthy layover in Singapore. From memory, touchdown from the New York flight was around about 5.30 p.m. However, my flight to Sydney was leaving at uh, 12, I believe, 45 in the morning the next day. Uh, so just, just past midnight, which means I think boarding started about seven hours after landing. So yeah, quite a lengthy layover. Uh, that was my choice. I could have made it shorter and gone a bit quicker to Melbourne, honestly. I think as everyone does, if you book flights based on aircraft types, airlines and, and routing where possible, um, you'll probably have long layovers at certain locations. And while in theory and booking the flight, it, it looks like a brilliant itinerary and you're going to be checking off multiple aircraft on your wish list. I think when you actually sat in these airports, um, you go through those stages of contemplating whether it was actually worth it. And I think after my 19 and a half hour flight and then having another seven and a half hours sat in Singapore, I was definitely sat there thinking to myself, maybe I should have just gone on the direct flight back to Melbourne. But now I don't regret it. Uh, I'm happy I did it. But definitely at the time I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a way to just be like, oh, can I switch the flight? Not that there would have been, but that was going through my mind at that point. Um... So yeah, the seven and a half hours just mostly consisted of me walking around the terminal. Uh, I generally like, enjoy seeing gates. Um, Also, it was a lot of B-roll recording for the flight reviews, which yes, they still haven't come out. They're not even in the editing room. I'm pretty terrible with that considering I'm flying in 24 hours and will be also recording all the trips and I haven't even released the previous trip reports. That's my uh, like a bad on my part, but in all honesty, I think I've had this conversation before that there's just not a lot of motivation to get those in the editing room. Um, I know it's very much niche content on my channel, at least. Uh, I'm sure if I could like give the footage off to a, a Jeb Brooks or a Dennis or a Paul, uh, they could make something a lot better. But also, naturally, their audience is centered around flight reviews, whereas mine is not so much. So I think there's that that knowledge that it's going to take me multiple days to edit. Uh, and while I'm, I'm really proud of my flight reviews, I also want everyone else to enjoy them. And I guess uh, on previous occasions, maybe people haven't as much. So we'll see. They definitely are going to be edited one day. When that is, I'm not too sure. Probably when life slows down a little bit. Um, apologies for the barking in the background. That would be my dog. But One of the downsides of living a a normal schedule, which I have been doing for the past week, is um, I'm awake at the same time as my family dog who loves to bark. Normally, I record these podcasts at three in the morning, and if you do listen in intently, you'll know he'll be sleeping next to me, but but now he's up and awake um, and absolutely loves barking. Back to what I was saying uh, regarding the editing of these flight reviews. We'll see. I'm not too sure when. I can't give an estimate. All I'll say is that when work on channels and and the website slows down, um, I will have the opportunity to dump them all in and script them and edit them and get them released on top of hopefully the, well, it's going to be around about four more reviews that I'll be recording tomorrow. Although I'm not sure if I want to record the the, the journey. What I might do is I might put a poll up on Twitter and say, hey, do you want to see these flight reviews? And if people vote yes or no, I'll just go with that because I'm not too fussed. Uh, I'm not too sure if I'll record the... See, this is the problem. I'm the kind of person that feels really awkward if someone sat next to me and recording. I just... I can't do that. I know there's some people that are fine with it, but I'm just... I can't do that. Uh, It makes me feel uncomfortable for them. 
Yeah, I'm that kind of person that doesn't like to recline their seat because I worry about the person behind me. Even if someone's reclined fully back into me, I, I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm one of those kind of people. And that means recording a flight review when your row is full of random people is probably not something that I'm all that capable of doing. But thankfully, on the previous versions you will have seen of, of flight reviews, the row would have been empty because I was flying when there was still... Well, I don't want to say there were restrictions, but definitely it wasn't as busy as it was now. So it was easier for me to pull out my phone, lay everything out uh, and such. Back to Singapore, because I'm going off on tangents and we haven't even gotten on board the aircraft. It was quite a long layover. Like I said, I was doing a lot of B-roll, visiting different gates, trying to see planes where possible. It's something I always enjoy doing. I'm not interested in uh, airport lounges. I absolutely have no interest in them. I'd rather just walk around and see the place I'm at, even if I've been there before. It's fun. I love traveling. And um, while a lot of people will disagree with me on that, I just enjoy experiencing it all rather than sat in a chair in a lounge. Uh, that's just me, but I know I know definitely the pros of a lounge. Yeah, but not for me. So I just really enjoyed looking around, going up and down the terminals, uh, seeing any windows that were available to take some pictures, seeing maybe what shops there were, what food outlets. Uh, I have visited Singapore a couple of times, but this was actually, the, well, when I say visited, I've had a layover in Singapore a couple of times, but this was the very, very first time I had a lengthy layover. All my previous layovers, I had to actually basically run through the airport to make my, make my next flight. Whereas this one, I like, like I've mentioned, I had seven and a half hours. So there was a lot of time to just walk around, explore, see the amenities available to any traveler that is passing by. So that was really enjoyable. The facilities are really nice. Uh, in some instances, it does look like more a shopping mall than an airport, uh, which is something I think you can see in a host of different airports around the world as we see airports change, the desire of passengers change, the demands uh, and shopping for these luxurious browns and so forth and duty-free definitely becomes heightened uh, with certain travellers travellers passing through. Uh, that doesn't entice me though, I have absolutely no interest in that, but it is still very cool to see what each airport has and coming from Newark, which uh, probably isn't the best airport in the world to fly through, at least where I was flying out of. There was basically only a news agency and a breakfast place the size of my palm, past security, pardon me. So seeing this, it was a bit, wow, a bit more back back to life, if you will, and back to more normality. That being said, when I arrived into Newark, that terminal looked very luxurious. I'm not too sure which one it is, but it definitely is the one where United all arrive at. However, my departure was out of some really weird gates, <laughs> to say the least. So it seems like maybe that was a bit of a... I know they're going through a bit of a redevelopment and new terminal construction and so forth. So I think I may have arrived into more of a nicer one and left out of probably something that dated back quite a few decades. Singapore Airlines... Are, well, Singapore Airlines... Singapore Changi, pardon me, the airport, are trialling a new type of security screening process, which is being rolled out at some other airports. I believe Berlin is one of the other leading airports, and there may be others, but um, definitely having spoken with someone at the IATA slot conference, learned a little bit more about Berlin's methodology of doing this. But as for Singapore Changi, you may be interested in, like, what am I talking about? So normally when you go through security, you just walk through at any point to your gate. There's not really a limit, you know what I mean? You could go four hours beforehand, just as long as you have your ticket, you're allowed to go through. Well, Singapore Changi, Changi, pardon me, was starting a almost, I wouldn't say express lane, but a lane for people that had booked a time slot. Now, that time slot 
is given to you by an employee of Singapore Changi who comes around with his tablet and will ask what flight number you are, scan your ticket, and you'll get like a time on your phone. So mine, I think, was 11.15 to 11.30, and boarding started at 11.45. So that means I was only allowed to pass through security in an express lane at these points. Uh, interesting concept. I was pretty excited to try it, and uh, whether it's just not executed correctly, which probably is entirely possible, uh, or it's a bit of a dud, I have to be completely honest with you, was useless. Uh, in fact, the line that I was in, I didn't have a choice, by the way. We were basically forced to go into this line because they were doing the trials, but this line took two times longer than any of the other ones where people were just coming and going. Uh, for many reasons. People were confused, so that's definitely going to change if they adopt this more universally and globally. Um, But yeah, it was incredibly slow. It took double the time, and by the time I got past actually security, the plane was about to board. So look, pros and cons, I can understand how having more of a queuing system and a time slot works, but at the same time, you don't get a choice on the time you go through security, and some people, like myself, maybe wanted to head to those gates a little bit earlier, rather than, say, one minute before boarding. Now, that's that doesn't apply to everyone, but I think having that choice is better. I can understand how that may cause congestion, but it could, because if it's a small space, which it wasn't, and I'm going through security and my flight's in a few hours, and someone else is in five minutes, they may get held up. But the queuing system just slows it down. And look, we were by the time we were boarding, people were still stuck in that express. Well, that was what it was called. Express and automated line. That being said, um, a lot of people still don't understand what to take out during security. So I'm sure that doesn't help because um, if you're like me, uh, I'm the kind of person that um, will take my belt off, take my shoes off, take my devices out put my phone and wallet in my backpack before I've even reached the tray table. I don't know why more people don't do this. There's Actually, there's a top travel tip. Uh, I'm not very good at when it comes to giving anyone any kind of tips. But if you don't do this already, and I can give you one travel tip, when you get in the line of security, start preparing to put your stuff on the belt. So if you're wearing, if you're a guy or a girl and wearing a belt, take it off. If you've got a laptop, an iPad, take it out and put it in your left or right hand. Sling the belt over your shoulder. If you've got a phone, wallet, keys, put them in your backpack because you can do that. Put them in your backpack. And you'll. if you have to take your shoes off, maybe take those off at the last minute. But you will very easily see how smoother the process is. You can save a lot of time. And it's pretty evident when I do it because no one else does that. So while they're taking forever and not too sure what to bring out and asking like, what do I take out of my bag? Which is fine because not everyone travels frequently. So they may not know, um, which is completely fine. Do you know what I mean? But if I can speed up the process, not just for myself, but then for the next person to get there, then I definitely will. So top tip, if you're listening, start preparing if you don't already before you reach the, 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 what do you call it? The conveyor belt, because you will notice differences. It'll be a lot less stressful because as a lot of people will say, there's nothing more stressful than the lead up to the belt. Um, because you've got to start taking everything out. Everyone's rushing. You know, people have got to get to your fi- uh, flight, pardon me. But the anxiety can definitely kick in. Prepare beforehand, and then it's very smoothly. Just put the things on the tray, and you will breeze right through. Uh, that being said, you may then in turn get frustrated seeing other people take so long, but it is what it is. Uh, 
as for then boarding, well, I went up and because I was very nervous about flying on, again, Singapore Airlines based on my previous experience, I did go up to the uh, check-in desk and just say, well, not the check-in desk, the boarding desk and explain to them that I had a peanut allergy. Um, I just recently flown on the flight. They said that they weren't going to be able to serve me, but I had the fruit platter. Um, I tried to make it known to other staff that I had this allergy and uh, yeah, what do you think happened? You have a peanut allergy. Oh. Um. Um. uh, Let me go talk to the crew. So for the second flight running, I was now stood there thinking to myself, what on earth is like... Now, albeit if this had been any other time, maybe I wouldn't have been as concerned. But given the last previous flight resulted in them having to speak to the crew and then saying, oh, we may not be allowed to let you on board. At that point, I was just let me on the plane. So I was pretty concerned when he said he was going to go and speak to the crew. Um, That could have very much been, you know, hypothetically a a simple conversation, but like I mentioned, because of what happened previously, I was concerned that that may have meant something else. Um, He came back and said, look, uh, there's a risk having you on board this aircraft. And I'm like, I know that, but I've read up on your policy and look, I have to read reviews on people that have peanut allergies and their experiences flying that that's what I have to read. Not so much uh, is the seat pitch nice. Like I don't care about that. It's more so the peanut stuff. Which, again, is why I always say to you, you can listen to my reviews and you can enjoy them, but they're not going to be applicable to everyone. So my complaints and my rants are not going to be applicable to everyone because not everyone is going through the same circumstances as me. My reviews are not about the seat pitch. They're a personal experience for me. So that's just something to consider. And when I, I say my experiences with certain airlines, it doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that this is how I've had my flight go. So he just said that there was a risk having me on board. And I said, like, look, what do you want me to do? Um, He said, oh, did you pick the nut-free meal? (sighs) This nut-free meal has got to be the most talked about meal that doesn't exist on the app or website anywhere for a flight. And I said to him, no, because it's not available. And I've had this problem with the previous flight. You said that there was a nut-free meal, but there wasn't. I I looked very intently and even had to go through support and could not find it anywhere. So I picked the fruit platter. Uh, the same thing happened. I don't believe they had fruit platters on this plane and I can confirm that there actually wasn't. So it wasn't a case of him saying to me, look, there's no fruit platters. And then there was, um, spoiler alert. I didn't eat anything on the nine hour flight, which was fine. It was only nine hours, but, um, I don't think I had to, from memory, I didn't have to sign a document this time. Actually, no, I did. I had to sign a document saying I wouldn't eat anything on the plane, Um, for the second time, but this time, obviously, I didn't eat anything. Uh, And then after a bit of a, I guess you could say, debate with his fellow colleagues and having me sign the documents and it being told that, look, I'll I'll be going on the plane. Well, pardon me, sorry, the, 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 the crew was sort of having a discussion about, oh, look, these are the risks, letting him on the plane, this, that, like, I'll identify him. They finally were like, they approved me. Um, they were like, okay, you can go on. This is also previously after I'd mentioned, uh, an opinion analogy, would it be possible to just go wipe down the seat a little bit early, like before the onslaught of customers? And again, they were just like, no, I-, I find that really weird. Like I've said many times, it's not a right of mine to go and wipe down my tray table and seat once more. However, um, it is not uncommon for people with severe, like let's say allergies that carry around an EpiPen to go and board the plane a little bit like two minutes before economy just to be able to wipe down everything before you have the onslaught of passengers. Um, 
on all of my flights that I've ever taken with any other airline, even Qatar Airways. Um, I've been able to do that. Like, they've allowed me to do that. They've been really accepting of the allergy, um, really careful with it as well. But with Singapore Airlines, it's just, they, they really don't care. Um, I don't know whether it's cultural related. Like, I know, obviously, um, nuts are huge in that part of the world. So, I'm not too sure if it's that. That's probably the only thing I can think of. But there was really not any um, care about it all. And I'm not saying they need to care, but as a paying customer, naturally, you want, to a certain extent, them to give a crap about your allergy when it is so severe, um, like to the point where you can die. So, there was that. Uh, Eventually, I was allowed on the plane. At that point, I really just wanted to get back to Australia and Sydney. I was really over the the Singapore Airlines experience. Um, That being said, the crew on this flight well, were nice in the period I spoke to them. I think I spoke and interacted with the crew for two minutes. In the best way I could, if I could give you an example of the nine hours on board this flight, it would be the most economy, premium economy flight ever. I've heard not great things about Singapore Airlines' premium economy. In fact, there may have been a review up on YouTube that highlighted how it's not that great. Um, definitely can reiterate that. It, but then again, look, premium economy is not meant to be a massive jump from economy, but in this case, it didn't feel um, worth the money for an upgrade, for, for better words. I didn't find that it was value for money. Um, I found the solo seat on the 19-hour flight very much value for money, um, and I think that's because you want a little bit of added comfort for a 19-and-a-half-hour journey. Um, you live and you learn, but for nine hours, uh, I would have economy would have just been better, honestly. And people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but that's just my honest opinion. I didn't find any part of it to be like worth the X amount, hundreds of dollars. Like, But that being said, it wasn't hundreds and hundreds of dollars for me because the whole ticket was premium economy because at the time that was all I could book, um, naturally, because the flight to, to Singapore from New York is only upper class. So you sort of are always placed in premium economy. Uh, so if I had just decided to do this flight on premium economy to Sydney, it would have been hundreds and hundreds of dollars more, like hundreds. I think it was something like $800, $900 more. And for $800, $900, it is not worth it at all. I paid a lot less as a collective ticket than how much it would have been for a singular flight upgrade. Um, it wouldn't have been as big of an issue. But yeah, just a bit of a a top tip. Um, I would not say to pay the $900 for the premium economy. Save your money, go in economy and get yourself a nice meal at the airport. Or even, do you know what? Just pay for the lounge access. If you can, if you can go in a paying lounge, do that. Have a shower, relax, and then just do economy. I think that's probably better value for money. Uh, the flight was smooth. I didn't sleep an absolute wink. Um, it was one of those flights, I think. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't sleep. I didn't find it all that comfortable, maybe that was why, but it was just a, a nine-hour journey of staring out the window and trying to sleep but failing. And if you ever had that experience on a plane, you'll know it's probably the most infuriating thing possible, not being able to sleep on a nine-hour journey or 10-hour journey, but trying to as well. So that was quite frustrating. It was smooth. Watched a beautiful sunset um, over the Northern Territory, pardon me, the Northern Territory, seeing the sunrise. Just just incredible. So orange. Um, definitely one of my favorite parts about flying. I, I always really do enjoy seeing the sunrise and the sunset um, from an aircraft, which is why typically I try and place myself on the side of the aircraft where I'll see the sunrise or sunset, if possible. Um, 
and obviously permitting conditions and such. Other than that, look, to be completely honest with you, not much happened. I wasn't served any food, so I can't exactly tell you, look, this was a great food and the the potato was really nice. I wasn't served anything, so there's no real review there. In terms of the seat, uh, like I said, it's it's the most like premium economy, but economy experience. It was nothing incredible. Um, but look, maybe you may find the seat really good. That's just my honest uh, opinion. And like I said, I think when I look at it from a standpoint of money, which is for me, and I would like to think for most people, a very big determining factor. I know for me, when I'm booking my flights, while I do have weird schedules, those schedules take days to source down because I'm trying to look for a flight that is also cheap, um, the cheapest possible, but also giving me the craziest or most fun route. Um, So look, and I think, like I said, I think I speak when I, I think I can speak for a lot of people here that for the most part, the determining factor is cost, not so much uh, going in business class. That's a very small uh, percentage. And while, of course, we see almost all flight reviewers go in business and first class and such, the vast majority of the people watching are just going to be flying economy. And that's really where it's important to know, I feel like, your value for money. So, yeah, if you ever have the chance to fly Singapore Airlines on board their A380, just book economy, save the money and uh, use, if you were hypothetically thinking about premium economy, use that money elsewhere, whether you want to get yourself food, use the money for your holiday uh, or whatever the purpose of your journey is. Arrival into Sydney was in the morning, around about 10.30 in the morning. Very, very smooth arrival. Very, very nice arrival too. I mean, I was in front of the engines, which is another thing I've never experienced on an A380. So probably another reason why I was happy. I was in premium economy at the least. Got a really cool view of the the two engines on the left-hand side of the aircraft, and it definitely made for a beautiful landing, which I really should upload. I might just re-upload to DJ's transport a bunch of stuff for people that are for people that are interested um that's gonna conclude the podcast look then I had a well sorry before I conclude I had a short flight down to Melbourne on board Qantas uh and honestly you're probably gonna laugh at me but that was a really nice experience um and you're sat there saying to yourself what is this is this me talking praise about Qantas. Yes, it was honestly a really nice experience at Sydney Airport. The transfer is the smoothest I've ever experienced. In fact, the transfer took borderline three minutes. Um, They had enough staff at that specific counter. They had reopened the international to domestic transfer bus. When I went previously, it was a bit of a disaster. I think I did discuss this in a podcast, but it was a bit of a disaster. Uh, their check-in desk wasn't working and they didn't have enough employees. So we all got put on a bus that was too full to fit our suitcases. So suitcases were basically just lying on the floor and then no one could get off the bus um, to go to their respective terminals. And then they were severely understaffed at the international to domestic check-in point to drop bags. They only had two people there in a queue of, uh, I think it was like 50 or 60. Not the employee's fault, by the way. They were doing their best, but they can't process that many people. So what was happening? Everyone was missing their flights and connections. Luckily, at that time, I had uh, I was smart enough to not book a tight connection. I, I gave myself like another hour and a half leeway because I did figure it would be a bit of a nightmare, and it was. But a lot of people don't. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people don't go that extra. They just book the ticket. So a lot of people missed their flights and were having to be readjusted and very stressed. But this time around, um, very... Sorry about the barking. Um, 
very, very, very smooth um, overall overall transfer. And I just kept saying thank you to them. And I really appreciated... Uh, I'm going to have to pause this recording. Give me two seconds. Um, apologies for the uh, brief intermission in the podcast recording. As I was saying, very, very great um, and smooth transfer from... Uh, Sydney International to Sydney Domestic, and the flight with Qantas was routine. Um, the only issue being the staffing at Sydney Airport ground crew. They don't have enough. It's a massive, massive problem, and since the outsourcing to a third party, they just can't keep up. So, actually, my plane arrived with no crew, uh, and something you don't see every day, they had to park at the stand themselves because no one was arriving, and then no one was there to operate the, the jet bridge, no one was there to offload the bags, so we were delayed an hour and a half out of Sydney because those employees were working on another aircraft. So, definitely an experience, and I think that really heightened the hardens the importance and the massive issues we're seeing with the labour crisis. Uh, it's pretty bad. And uh, fingers crossed it can be sorted soon because for the employees currently working in the industry, it's not the most ideal conditions. They're under the pump and they're very stressed. That's going to conclude the episode of the podcast. Thank you very, very much for uh, tuning in. I very much appreciate the support. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes and there's only going to be more travel ones to come. So stay tuned for that. Very excited to try out United Airlines long haul for the very first time tomorrow. I will be sharing my thoughts over on Twitter live and also in a podcast if you're interested. Thanks for listening. Make sure to review the podcast and follow it on your chosen platform. And I will indeed potentially see you next weekend for the first review in the new travel series. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following. This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation, from news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. For onward connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server, see the website, and more. And like to thank you sincerely for listening and we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the dj's aviation podcast